are going through another doctor's note. I've got Dr. Tom Rogers on the line. I'm Ben Rogers, his son, and this is how we basically get the information for our doctor's note that we send out every Monday. Uh, Dad, Tom, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ben. Good to join you. Yeah, and, and, and I know you and I had had talked a little bit last week about what we want to talk about um, this upcoming week, and, and now that it's February, uh, it is Heart Health Month, and, and you mentioned to me that that's something that had been on your mind, something that you wanted to talk about. Um, where do you want to start with that? Well, you know, as an integrative and a functional medicine doctor, what I'm always looking for is prevention and trying to find out why somebody has something, not just labeling it a what. Um, so, you know, February is Heart Health Month, and in particular, February 3rd was Women's Heart Health Day where everybody wore red. I think I forgot to wear my red, but in any event, um, I would like to kind of focus on um, heart disease and especially heart disease in women, which is a very um, un underrepresented thing that we're really doing a disservice to women by, I think. Well, what's the difference between heart disease in women and, and men? Well, there's a lot of things. For one thing, women kind of get shortchanged with um, the diagnosis of their heart disease, and then they're much less likely to um, to get the aggressive treatment for it. And they also have different symptoms of heart disease than men do. You know, traditionally we think of uh, when a man has a heart attack, having the crushing chest pain that um, goes down uh, his left arm, nausea, sweating, uh, and, and achy feeling. With women, it's a lot different. Women don't typically present with those kind of symptoms. A lot of times they'll come in and it's just a stomach ache or hand pain or a headache or what some people will mislabel as just anxiety. Um, so it's, it presents a whole lot differently than men, especially one common theme that I always tend to pick up on with patients. Um, I picked up one the other day in my office. Um, if there's an exertional component to it, I'm always raising a red flag and you know, I don't ignore that at all. If there's any kind of exertional component to stomach pain, chest pain, uh, head pain. So, so or, well, what, what's an exertional component? Is that is just what you're describing? Like, yeah, like um, the patient I had the other day um, had only stomach pains when they exerted themselves, and then when they oh, got um, it, yeah, you know, it's, and then they thought it was gas, and so they, they burped. And the pain went away, but it bothered me because it was only happened during exertion. So I pursued a heart workup, and sure enough, um, that patient ended up having uh, clogged arteries and ended up having a bypass, believe it or not. But um, and so it wasn't the typical symptom that you usually hear. So you got to perk your ears up. I mean, heart disease is so common; it's by far the number one killer of Americans. I think it kills about. 610,000 people yearly, which is by far the biggest killer. It is interesting, though, how you don't hear about it much in regards to women. You know, you hear men, 
you know, once they, you know, hit a certain age, uh, you've mentioned to me like the, you know, quote unquote, ticking time bombs uh, in the case of some men, how, you know, they're, they're at some point going to have a heart attack. And, but we don't talk about it a lot with women. And I hadn't heard you talk about, about it this way before, actually. Well, it's interesting that, you know, being a man is a risk factor for heart disease. And right. I certainly have more heart attacks than women before age 50 to 55. But it's interesting in that women um, in younger ages uh, before that, um, they're like when they do have a heart attack at a younger age, they're must, much one thing they're twice as likely to die as a man. When a woman goes into a, a hospital with a heart attack, she's twice as likely to die as a man. To me, that's unbelievably significant. Um, so, so their, their heart attacks are more severe, yeah, their heart attacks are more severe, twice as severe. The reason is they're um, a lot more likely to be less healthy than a man when they go in there with a heart attack um, as far as control of diabetes, obesity, um, and a major one is depression. Uh, depression leads to about a 40% higher risk of heart disease and heart attack. So when women do have a heart attack early, they're less likely to be in, as healthy as men when they go in with it. Plus, they normally have smaller coronary arteries and when they get in a hospital, they're less likely to undergo um, the more aggressive treatment that the men have. So we're not as suspicious of them. It's interesting, too, that even with a woman having a, a heart attack and a cardiac arrest uh, somewhere in the field, they're much less likely, likely to be given CPR by bystanders. So that, that is amazing to me. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of The Doctor's Note in Your Ear. Um, Dr. Rogers and I are, uh, are basically going over what we want to send out on Monday mornings to you guys and, and um, tell you what's on our minds. Uh, Dr. Rogers, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. How you doing, Ben? Good. Um, we got cut off um, actually just a few minutes ago, and um, I'll recap a few things, and maybe you can clarify uh, a few things with me as well. We were talking how February is Heart Health Month, and we kind of went on a on a tangent on how women are actually their heart attacks are more severe, and yet we don't pay much attention to women and heart health. And you know, heart health in men gets a you know, a lot of attention because you see more heart attacks in men, but when a woman has a heart attack, it's actually more severe. And, you know, I, we, we hadn't actually gotten into what women can do or what even men can do to protect their heart, but we talked a lot about how, how, how serious it is in women as it is in women. Uh, sorry, men. That's right. You know, we talked about how women are twice as likely to die when they're in the hospital of a heart attack than a man will for a lot of reasons, but um, that we talked about before. Um, the thing about heart disease in men and women is that 80% of it's preventable. I mean, you know, we have a lot of diseases that aren't as easy to prevent, um, which we'll go into in a lot more of these uh, podcasts, but 
80% of heart disease is preventable. And in my estimation, preventing heart disease is basically boiling down to nutrition, exercise, reducing stress, and also getting the screening tests that you need to kind of see where you are. Um, you know, some people are more at risk because of family history, but that's only about 20% really. It's, it's not, you know, you're not limited by your genetics by any stretch of the imagination like we used to think you were. But um, there's a lot of ways you can prevent it. And a lot of being an integrated functional medical doctor, that's what I do every day anyway for anything. So it kind of fits along with uh, everything that we do as far as nutrition, supplements, screening, like the Boston Heart Screening Panel that we do, um, or the carotid IMT, um, hormone checks and all that. Um, yeah, we, we actually, we sent out a, a doctor's note a, a while back about, you know, kind of the, all the screenings that you need for, to protect your heart, um, you know, like the coronary calcium screening, the carotid IMTs, the, the Boston heart panel, which we, we pretty much run on everybody who comes through our, through our practice. Um, we haven't gotten a lot into, you know, the nutrition component, you know, what people should stay away from, you know, is that the red meat thing? What, what is that? Well, no, not really. You know, um, there's been a big reversal in the way we think about what to eat. We used to, you know, back in the eighties, we thought that your arteries and that everybody should be on a, and what happened to that was that, Everybody got fatter right. and their cholesterol went up um, being on low fat. So um, the kind of nutritional pattern that I recommend for almost every one of my patients is a low-carb diet, more of a paleo, high fat, the good fats, moderate protein, and lower carb. Um, you know, we try to uh, get away from inflammation, which is the root of all the uh, diseases that we have is inflammation. So I'm, I'm big on a paleo type diet. And, uh, you know, we, we check that on the boss and watch your facets break down inflammatory markers. Um, so there's been a big change um, in what we think about nutrition. Even the American Heart Association is really far behind uh, what they need to be recommending, in my opinion. What, what can people focus on you know it's february it's heart health month and you know we're probably going to be talking a lot about it what what's some stuff that that people can take away you know if they're if they're concerned about their you know about heart disease or um or if they they just want to get in better shape or, or or whatever what is something that they can do this february that maybe they haven't done in the past well, the first thing I would do is start thinking about it. Okay. Uh, what your risk factors are, so you need to look at your numbers. Um, the first, of course, is being your cholesterol number. Um, and can, then, can, can you get into that a little bit? Like, because a lot of times, you know, you people will mention, yeah, you know, make sure you you look at all these, you know, laboratory numbers. But you know, someone like me, or I'm sure a lot of our patients aren't sure where that number needs to be. Is there a is there a cholesterol? Is it all unique to the patient uh, that you're talking to, or or is there certain, you know, can you get into the specifics of the numbers? 
It's very specific and it's very personalized. Okay. Um, you know, that's the mistake I think most doctors make is just setting a number for you and putting you on a medicine based on what that cholesterol number is. Yes. Um, even the LDL, the bad cholesterol. But that's why I like the Boston Heart Panel because it really gets into depth on the size of the particles, um, how big your HDL, the good cholesterol is, how small your LDL is, how sticky it is. Um, so I'm not as keen on throwing somebody on a statin as a lot of doctors are, as probably as most doctors are. I like to look at all the risk factors for your heart disease, see what the, the smaller numbers are, and make it a decision based on that and hopefully get you on a better diet and maybe a weight loss program and um, see how you can improve. But, you know, you do need to look at the numbers for sure because cholesterol is a risk factor. Right. Uh, although you need cholesterol to make your hormones, you just want the right type of cholesterol in your bloodstream and make sure it doesn't form plaque. So I do look at cholesterol. The next thing I look at is your blood pressure. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of Americans have hypertension, and we used to say that your number needed to be uh, below 140 over 90, and now most people say 120 over 80. I say 115 over 75. Um, the thing about it, when you come to the doctor's office, you may not get a, a good representation of what your blood pressure numbers are ac accurately are. I, I'm a big believer in and getting a home monitor. I mean, they're cheap. Everybody should have a, a, uh, a blood pressure monitor at their house to kind of see what it runs on average. And just by having one, just by the fact that you have a blood pressure monitor, your blood pressure is going to be lower. Unbelievably. Yeah. yeah. Like now what you eat, you're more likely to lose weight just by writing down what you ate. So I recommend everybody gets a blood pressure monitor. And I think about it, is, gosh, your average person that has hypertension is on 2.5 blood pressure medicines for it. And really, so a lot of times, you know, when you come to the doctor's office, they're just going to add another blood pressure medicine because your blood pressure is up that day. Before you know it, you're on three or four different kinds of blood pressure medicines, which can all, all cause side effects. So, you know, you need to look at trying to reduce your blood pressure with lifestyle changes. Um, my big four supplements you can take for your blood pressure are vitamins K2, which is very heart protective. Um, I like CoQ10. I like the fish oil, that's omega-3s. And I like magnesium at night. The other thing I do is I put most of my patients, certainly over age 40 or sooner with risk factors, if they can tolerate it, in other words, if they don't have a, an ulcer stomach problems on an 81 milligram coated aspirin, we know that it protects your heart. There's no doubt in my mind that it does that, but it also reduces your risk for pancreatic cancer by about half and colon cancer by about a third. So a lot of my patients, I certainly recommend a daily aspirin. Um, so cholesterol, blood pressure, are the big two. The, the third one I look at is your sugar, you know, your diabetes uh, risk. So I, even on the Boston Heart Panel, not only is your sugar level on there and a three-month measure of your sugars called a hemoglobin A1C, but we have, have an insulin 
level on there and an insulin resistance number and a C-peptide, things that tell me that, no, you're not a diabetic, but you're very likely to become a diabetic because your insulin level's high. And a high insulin level's not good. So I certainly look at... Um, Is there a relationship between, you know, a type 2 diabetic and, and heart risk? Oh, for sure. Okay. You know, diabetics are four times as likely to come down with heart disease as a non-diabetic. So, um, and if you're overweight and have a lot. Hello, everyone. We are back again. Um, we're trying to finish up this segment of the doctor's note on heart health. We've had a, a few recording issues, and, uh, and this should be our, our last little segment here, Dr. Rogers. You finished up. We were talking about the relationship between obesity, you know, being a, being overweight and, you know, potentially a type two diabetic and, and what that does, uh, the risk factor that is for heart disease. Do you want to kind of, uh, go a little deeper on that? Well, I mean, I think we've covered it pretty well. You need to look at your numbers, like your cholesterol, your blood pressure numbers, your, sugar levels, your insulin levels as well. Um, that's why I encourage all my patients to get a baseline Boston heart panel, almost always covered by insurance. That's the only thing I deal with with insurance companies. Um, and also consider getting a carotid IMT test, which we do in our office uh, once a month. We have some folks that come up from Atlanta to do this. And basically that shows you um, what kind of plaque or blockage you may have in your carotid arteries. And it's a special test. It's not a routine carotid test in that it measures the thickness of your um, intima, which is the innermost lining of your carotid arteries. Um, that's very accurate predictor of um, how your, uh, your artery in your neck as well as your heart is aging. It actually gives you a vascular age um, that uh, will, will kind of be a good predictor of things. For example, mine, um, I'm 63. My vascular age was 49, which I felt pretty good about. Um, but So that's a great test to get. That's a really, really so the, the older your So the older your vascular age, the more, the more likely you are to get heart disease. Is that right? Right, heart disease or stroke because okay. it's building up blockage and it's more likely to form plaque. And the thing I like about this uh, carotid IMT test is that it looks at the different types of plaque. A lot of times, some things just show calcium uh, deposits in your coronary arteries, like the CT calcium score, which I like too. Um, but this really differentiates between the hard, the medium, and the soft plaque. The soft plaque um, is the dangerous plaque. It's what can rupture and cause a heart attack or stroke. So carotid IMT test is very important. Um, so those two tests, along with sitting down and discussing your other risk factors and maybe getting you on a better nutritional pattern, as a functional integrated medical doctor, what I'm looking for is um, what you're going to feel like and what kind of medicines and things you're going to be on in 10 or 20 years um, in other words, I'm looking at prevention and trying to, it's, it seems like you almost got to plan it all out. You know, like if someone comes in there, you've got to plan out for 
to prevent heart disease, you know, because you're, you're looking at the medications you're on now and you're thinking about, okay, well, what medications do I not want to be on here in five years or whatever? It seems like this is something that, that requires some planning uh, from a preventable standpoint. Right. I mean, some people do need medications, but, you know, if you can do it without them and eat better and exercise, sleep better, make sure you don't have sleep apnea, that's another huge risk factor for heart disease. Um, you know, you're much, you're, you're much better off. Uh, so that's kind of been the focus of my practice for the last 10 years, for the first 20 years of my practice. Um, I was kind of a typical doctor, uh, reactionary, giving you a label, telling you what you have, put you on a medicine for it. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. But now as I've aged and learned a lot more, I think I've become a much better doctor because, I'm really trying to more prevent it and than I am trying to just stick you on a medicine. I actually am able to spend more time with my patient and uh, maybe hopefully leading to a better quality of life. Do, do you want to touch on the stress component and what people can do to um, not get rid of stress, but, but just handle it a little bit better? I, you hear a lot about exercise being the, the best stress reducer um, is there anything else that we can you know kind of give people um information on yeah you know exercise is my number one stress reliever personally and I've also this year have kind of taken up uh, meditation you yeah know, we've, ta- to, we've talked a little bit about that which is mostly to me breathing exercises it can really calm you down and and help everything so uh, i call it mindfulness meditation right. uh you know getting back to where you really enjoy stuff and can relax we live in a in a world now that's we're constantly bombarded by media and our cell phones and and everything else so i, I like quiet time meditation relaxation right very important well before we wrap up and that is it, guys. Um, thank you again for listening. Um, we apologize if, if there were some immediate starts and stops. Um, we did this in a, in a few different recordings. Um, it was a lot to go over. Um, as you know, we're putting all this together in a doctor's note, which we send out every Monday morning. Uh, I hope you guys have subscribed to that. Um, what we're doing here again is, is we are recording our conversations uh, about the content that we want to send out on a weekly basis called The Doctor's Note. And uh, and you guys heard that conversation. Um, we hope that you get a lot out of this. Um, not all of the recording is going to be in The Doctor's Note, but the key points will. So we're encouraging everyone to listen to the podcast if you want to go in a, a little deeper on some of this. Uh, so anyways, I hope you all have a wonderful week. This is me signing off officially after a few different unofficial sign-offs. And we will see you again next week. All right. Bye-bye.